Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Und läuft dann in Keeper Freisel rein. Ayrdale vollendet. 4 zu 0. Beste. Ball kommt in die Mitte. Und zu Kleindienst. Kleindienst. Güter. Linke Seite ist blank. Vielleicht. Ja, vielleicht. Vielleicht zieht er ihn in Salazar. Tor. 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 Hello everyone and welcome to the Sparta Bundesliga podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Karagic. It's a pleasure to have your company as we look back at what was a fascinating opening weekend of the 2023-24 season. It had drama. It had goals at the end. It had potential missed penalties and controversy. Some teams were absolutely dominant and others would like to look forward to the, current, the upcoming weekend. To help me discuss all of the action from match day one is the athletic Seb Stafford Ball. Seb, first of all, welcome. For, uh, we give you a cap, metaphorically, to making your Spider Bundesliga podcast debut. How are you? You saw a lot of the games this week. What was your impression? Oh, I loved it, Matthew. I'm so, just happy that it's back. I was saying to my, I've been talking to my, my brother-in-law lives next door to me. And we've been saying for the past few weekends, God, it's boring so boring right you just need to have it because it's the definition in your weekend but also um i'm a i'm a uh, i'm a strong believer in the spider bundesliga like when i when i tell people that it's the best league in the world i'm not being ironic uh, or contrary I, it, I i love it it's so it's so german and quirky and weird and and uh and actually as this weekend showed like at its very very best just incredibly entertaining full of quality and yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit like being punched in the in in the face for three days straight just because of the, the nature of the games. But I had a really good time, and I got to go to one of the games, which obviously makes it a little bit better, uh, a lot better, in fact. Yeah, and we will talk about that game uh, yeah. right now. Let's do it right now because okay. uh, it was the top game. There was a reason for the second time in three seasons that Hamburg and Schalke were to kick off the side of Bundesliga. And we were treated to a game that probably made absolutely no sense, could have easily featured another five or six goals. And in the end, it was Hamburg who took the three points with a 5-3 victory in front of 57,000 at the Volkspark-Stadion. And it started with just carnage. Hamburg were really up for it. They had, they had chances yeah. after chances. And Marius Muller was one of the guys who, let's be fair, kept Schalke in it in the first half. And even with Glatzel's goal, at the beginning and, and Schalke finding a way through Ayo uh, Drago and Ovoyan, they did not deserve to lead at halftime. It just was such an... It almost felt like a gross injustice and it would have been probably more of the case had Simon Toronto's goal stood early in the second half, but he was just a wink offside. And then it was Hamburg just taking over. They were much more efficient. The Cisse uh, foul on, on Glatzel, Benesch scores from the spot and then my stats are wrong. Benner scored moments later to make it 3-2 with that excellent chip on Muller. But then again, Schalke just almost, it was weird. They just didn't go away. Toronto gets it to make it 3-3. And then with time running out, you know, Schalke down to 10 men after Cissé getting his second yellow. Hamburg were just coming and coming. And eventually they broke through. It was Glatzel with an excellent little touch to deceive Muller. Puts it in the back of the net. And one of the loudest roars, as you'd expect at such an iconic stadium in German football, the crowd going nuts. And then Dompey had the empty net goal to make it 5-3. And you were at that game, Seb. It was 
unbelievable to watch for the neutrals, for the for the, the, the fans invested. At least millions of heart palpitations. It was a great spectacle for those who could watch the game. Um, what were your impressions of both Hamburg and Schalke? Interesting one. So I think it's one of the best, uh, sort of uh, one of the best attacking performances I've seen from Valtis Hasfar for a long time. I think we all know what his brand of football looks like, but on occasions it can become quite easy to diffuse. Like you see the intent and you see the intricacy within the passing, but then if you press it in the right way, if your if your low block is solid enough, it can run out of ideas and become quite vulnerable. And I think what impressed me was the volume of chances created. And we'll get to Shark in a minute, but like I thought particularly um, Manny Farai was wonderful. Uh, kind of played as a sort of really as a wide forward, but actually kind of dropping to a kind of number 10 position throughout most of the game, created the first goal for Glatzel, but uh, with that lovely ball around the corner. But I just thought that kind of the level of intelligence in his football was, was outstanding. Uh, Laszlo Beneske, probably his best performance for Hamburg since arriving. Um, he had a kind of very weird year last year. Um, I think what was also what was also very encouraging is that if you think of the absences, so no Ludovic Rice, no Sean Lau at centre-back, obviously no Vuskovic for quite a long time now, um, but a host of other absences, Moritz Haier having to play at left-back um, because Muheim wasn't quite fit. You look at all these absences, I think the team performance was, um, in one sense, as you'd expect it to be, because defensively, clearly, a few problems there that Toroda, like, Cement Toroda is, is kind of the end-level boss of, of the Zweite Bundesliga. We know this. He's, you know, um, I think top scored in Division four times. Something ridiculous like that, yeah. So uh, he was um, as advertised, and I, I think particularly Stephen Ambrosius struggled against him. But that being said, I think that... The volume of ideas and the substitutes from Velter. So one of the one of the grievances in Hamburg with him is that substitutes aren't always the best. He's pretty stubborn in terms of there isn't really a plan B. If things aren't going well, he'll just continue with the plan A until eventually it works or it doesn't. Uh, and I, I think we saw a bit of variation. The use of Jatta was great. The use of you mentioned Dompey for his breakaway goal. Like, I feel like this is Dompey's role is a last 20 minutes of the game because he's. He's not the very best player without the ball, but he's so, so exciting, probably the most dangerous with it. Uh, and so it was... I, I'm i very hesitant to overpraise Haasfau for obvious reasons, <laughs> but it's probably... This is probably the best group of players I've seen since I got to Germany a couple of years ago, purely because there isn't a... Every position is covered. Every position has an, an alternate there. There's a variation within all of the departments in the side. Losing Glatzel, obviously a problem, but they still have Nemeth there, and he's going to be a, a good player at some point in, uh, you know, in the future. Um, but just the kind of the strength is pretty overwhelming. Um, and, yeah, very impressive. But the occasion also, like Matthew, I think German football, German football is very special for a lot of reasons. But German football, what it's good, is uh, unlike anything else in my mind. And... There have been times where, and I, I've been around a lot of grounds now, and, and you know I'm still learning German football and still learning this division and and you know learning new places. But when it goes well, and when in this instance you're in your own city, you're in a place like the Volkspark, and it's full and it's happy, there's nothing in the world like it. It's late on a Friday night in July. It's hot and sweaty, and and 
you know, it's the height of summer still, but like everybody's optimistic and everybody's really keen to put, you know, obviously Heidenheim and, and Stuttgart behind them from last season. It was just a great night. It was a great evening. Everyone kind of bounced home on the S-Bahn afterwards. It was just great. And um, yeah, it was a lovely way to start the season. Um, Schalke, a bit of a different issue. So like, I'd be interested to know what your take on that Schalke performance was. It was... It, it had moments offensively where they they were they they were able to dismantle the Hamburg, especially the the, the pairing of Ambrosius and, and Ramos and and you know we we, we all have our opinions on what Ramos can and can't be and you know he yes. he 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 just had to play it was a necessity they then he'd obviously won out over David during uh, preseason and you know they were they did enough but it was still not great either in the sense mm-hmm. that. You know, Lazma has that chance to make it 4-3 and he he does this thing. He did it at Bielefeld where he gets himself in a weird situation. Like, should should at least make a better use of his chance. And he decides to run further towards the byline instead of cutting towards a more of a diagonal. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like, it wasn't bad. I thought Schallenberg was really good in midfield. and mm-hmm. But there was just not... There was lack of cohesion. You could see when Hamburg Weber would get into transition, how disorganised the back four were in particular. And you don't want to pick on Cisse, but there were a lot of there were a number of instances where him and Kaminsky just weren't where they needed to be. And you could see Hamburg were like, we'll, we'll, you know, being that they're a very strong passing team, we'll pick that off quite easily. And it wasn't that surprising that in the end, Hamburg had thirty-one shots on goal. You know, that's that's what a shot every three minutes of normal time. That's that's, I think that the luxury is it can't get any worse than that. We don't think because right. that that's 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 the that's the floor. We know that that's bad. Whether they're going to play Baumgart or, or Matrachani, you'd imagine so. Like it, one of them, yeah. I, I I remember thinking also. Obviously, like the promotion season began with Schalke losing to Hamburg, Belsen's yep. um, arena, and that symmetry might be of some comfort to Schalke fans, but this felt like a very different sort of loss. Cause I remember thinking like Hamburg didn't deserve to win that game a couple of years ago. Like they, they had that late higher goal and yeah. you know, they, you know, they just scrambled the glass of goal as well. Like this felt, let me ask you actually, cause this is interesting. This is the conversation I was having with a few people at the game. Did you think Cissé should have come off after the first yellow card? Yes. Yeah. He yeah. looked, he looked a bit rattled and, and, yeah. and throughout the weekend there was what five red cards and you could have made a case for all of them to, to give them the yank um, yeah I would have pulled the trigger and put Matrachani in and just see what happens from there because it, it reminds me of a few seasons ago where Stuttgart were playing Hanover and I oh, forget the player's name he was on loan from Bayern and he gave away a penalty then got sent off and we didn't see him for the rest of the season ironically under Volta as well <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah I, I would have played it safe I would have taken him off and I think um, it was a ticking. It was ticking. You could see with the way Hamburg were constantly pressing the issue that he was about. He was a mistake away from giving away his second yellow, and and it's hard not. It's it, it like it's obviously a yellow card. You know, Ustinali's well past him, and he's just, very smart. Ustinali, yeah, like he knows he knows what he's doing there, and like that's 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 the classic. Ustinali played well, but that's the classic experienced player versus guy with no experience yeah. moment, right? Like he, I, I, what worried me though is like from a Schalke perspective is that if you look at the kind of the move that led to that goal all it is is a big ball forward from Roy mm. Fernandez. it's not like as good as um, like as good as Hamburg's short passing is this is just like a carve up the touchline and it's like 
that happened a couple of times. I, I think Konishtofer had a, a moment like that in the first half where he, he nearly benefited from it. And it was worrying how easy that was, like just to find a, like a bit of space. And that, that does suggest a really big problem between a centre-back and a full-back. Mm. Um, and I don't know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit um, sentimental, like, but I, I saw Cissé as he came off and he was devastated. Yeah. And he just obviously, like, you know, idiots on social media have been at it yet again mm. with him. And good to see both clubs kind of condemn that really quickly. But, um, and I'm not, for obviously not blaming Thomas Rice for that happening, but uh, you just do feel like with, with a young player like that, you need to, um, yeah. you need to just be a little bit careful just for the long term, right? You got to protect them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you, so. because you don't know, like, obviously there's always the aftermath of what's happened in that situation, but how's he going to react? You know, I, I, I think in that situation, it's one of those where you'd give him a hug and say, hey, look, you know, you there's next time. There's next time. Go next week. Yeah, let's yeah. have a think. Let's look look at what's gone wrong. Also, let's be honest, right? So he's not going to face many better forwards than Glatzel. Glatzel, mm. like, mm. over the past couple of years, I think he arrived as a little bit of a lighthouse. Yeah. And over the past two or three years, like, his game has evolved amazingly well. Like, not just a goal scorer, but, like, I think we saw that on, on Friday night, just the kind of the range of contribution. Yep. And, you know, there would have been no problem in just saying, listen, um, step out of this one. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're playing against probably, I, I'd imagine, probably the favourites for promotion this season, Hotspur, yeah. and let's just build you up again next year, next week. And, yeah, it's, it was a shame because it's just, it was, it's never, it's always a little bit uncomfortable to watch a player in that sort yeah. of situation, I think. I, no, um, I agree. It was, it was, yeah. it was awful. I mean, you just could see it had deteriorating as the half went on. You're like, geez, some, just someone get him out of there. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was hard to watch, but you know, hopefully, yeah. hopefully we'll see him again. Um, obviously we won't see him for the Kaiserslautern game, but I reckon a good opportunity to bring him in will be for that cup game against Braunschweig in two weeks. So yes. I think that yes, would yes, be, because yes. they get to play them twice in two weeks, actually, they get to play them in league uh, nine days later. But um, yeah, we should move on cracking games okay. to start with let's talk about the other team that was relegated from the Bundesliga last season Hertha they went to Dusseldorf hoping to start the season well there was a lot to there's a lot I don't know how to describe their performance they were good in patches I like it when they use Fabian Riza like I have a soft spot for Riza he was fantastic last mm-hmm. season in Kiel would love to have seen a bit more action with him um but the goal they conceded, the Ginchak goal, okay. yeah, ugly. I mean, it's just an easy ball into the box. Uh, Ginchak is just, he's the one who wants it. Kempfer is just kind of standing there waiting for someone to do something else and yeah. headed across the goal for Christensen. And that was the that was the score in the end, 1-0. I, I, like, I, don't, I wouldn't have begrudged if Herter had got something from this game. They showed good passages, but... Just in the final third, they really didn't do enough to, to, to threaten Kastamai, who... Over the past few years, I've had a gripe with him is that he is very vulnerable from shots outside the box, mm. and I would like to have seen them test him a bit more. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I feel much the same. And actually, I think one of the characteristics of this because I was really disappointed by this, like as as the kind of the top spiel. Yeah. Like I, I kind of look forward to it, and I thought it's be really interesting because your classic sort of um, fallen giant versus. I'm not going to call them a big city club, obviously. <laughs> but um, it was really underwhelming. Uh, I don't know if the weather and the conditions did anybody any favours, but I thought like Hertha's inability to create proper chances uh, was quite striking. Also, like you said, you mentioned it. Like 
there is that vulnerability there and yet you didn't really see it didn't feel as if any any of the other players were aware of that mm. like when you've got a goalkeeper that is a little bit suspect or i don't know what causes a goalkeeper to be vulnerable from from distance it might just be footwork i i, I don't know yeah it's but, his footwork um, is terrible yeah, yeah it feels that way i'm not a goalkeeping expert but that that is sort of how it looks and yet that wasn't really tested and you mentioned Kemper, like i think I think Hertha did a lot of good things this summer because they got rid of a lot of players who were not there for the right reasons yep. um, and haven't been there for the right reasons for a long time. And this is part of the issue. Not the only issue, because <laughs> that's a soap opera of a club, surely. Yeah. Uh, but um, when you have that situation and when you're kind of rebuilding, you need a player with that experience, who has experience at this level too. Yeah. Um, you need a bit better like at a moment like that. Because I, I feel like, I might, this might be proven absolutely wrong, but it, it feels like had Hertha got something, even if it was a point, that's a nice starting point. Um, I don't think they're going to get promoted this season, but they could have a good year. Um, and it feels like if they were to fit, even if they were to get, even if they scrape their way into like a, the relegation game, that's a really good season because for once, it's not about the chaos, right? Mm. Like it's not about Vindhorst and it's not about, goodness, you you hear some strange stories about <laughs> PSC, right? Yeah. Like, it'd be nice if it was just about, we had a pretty good season. That would be good. This, I don't know, man, I don't know, didn't, didn't feel terribly good about what I saw. Um, and the goal was, yeah. I watched that again this morning. The goal was ugly. Yeah. It's really ugly. Um, so, I don't know. I don't really know what to say. Like, I'd like to say something positive about it, but I, I just don't. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was just odd. Like their performance was weird. They they were at times they seemed to sync up and and they were able to progress the ball and it wasn't like Dusseldorf were really doing a whole lot either. Um, but when they got to the final third, they just all the ideas just kind of disappeared and yeah. you would think that having someone like Arikta and Niederlechner, but you know Niederlechner hasn't played in the Spider Bundesliga for what ten or so years. Richter played quite well and Richter, Richter did all right. He was lively, yeah. but there were times where he got inside the box and he'd be like. Am I meant to? Should I shoot? Should I cut the ball back? And that indecision—that's that's what kills you. And you could tell they yeah. just—it's almost like they still lacked a little bit of confidence from the the, the beating they had last season. But it—I agree with you in the sense that had they got something, we're not talking about. Geez, they 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 looked a bit shonky at times. It'd be like, well, you know, they they showed something. They can build from a starting point. Exactly. Right? Like. And and, um, and now they got V Spartan on Friday night, and you know, V Spartan will have will be tricky. It will be tricky. Yes, yes, yes. We'll get to them. We will like, get to them. This yeah. is yes. I'm ready for our, our Elvisburg chat as well. Like. Oh, I'm I am excited for that. Don't worry. But <laughs> but yeah. So I I think you know Herta who are going to be the World Feed game on Friday night. Actually, they get another World Feed game in two weeks as well when they've got Hamburg on as the top spieler which hopefully will be worthy yeah. of the name but uh, Dusseldorf have St. Pauli which will be a really good game at the Milan Torn um, I, I think I think you know Dusseldorf will still be happy I, I like it when they've got actions that feature Apple Camp he's such a very flexible player you can play him as an 8 um, or uh, you can play him a lot wider where but I think they've found their mix with Klaus uh, Ginsek and Ioa as the right so you've got Applecamp in the midfield with Tanaka and Sabotka I think they've got like, it's a good mix I I just don't know if you can trust Ginsek for 34 match days he's proven to break down and it's yeah 
for me no like i just don't there's nothing about actually to be honest with you like there's nothing there that suggests that i think when you it's interesting that we come to this game second right because i think that like when you when you have a team with a lack of confidence what you're looking for what you're looking for in fortuna actually on saturday night was something very comprehensive mm. and something which kind of not not quite a welcome to the Zweider Bundesliga moment because that's really trite observation, <laughs> but like you want to see a team's character and you want to see a team's ability to control a game properly, and like yeah, Fortuna won the game right, but I don't feel like they they necessarily controlled the game because more of it is about a lack of cohesion and chemistry in in uh, within the Hertha BSC team, and if you're not able to take advantage of that. In the sense that, in the way that a team like Haas-Fahr were with Schalke before, you're able to cut through all the gaps and deal with all the kind of the inexperience and that stuff, right? If you can't do that, then um, maybe I'm overemphasizing this, but that feels like that's quite concerning. Um, or at least it's concerning about your ability to kind of be dominant in the way that you need to be to actually win, to, to, to be successful in this division. You know, it's, it's a fair observation, and it's probably the one thing that's held back Dusseldorf under Tune is that they they yeah. will have a lot of games where they've taken the three points, but you put everything together and you're like, I'm not entirely sure how they've come, to, how they've been able to do it, except being well, when the chances have come, they've put them in. They have good periods in games, mm. right? So you have you have you have sort of twenty minute, fifteen minute bursts in games where it is quite convincing. Same thing when when he was in Hamburg. Yeah. The same same situation. I, I mean, obviously different playing group. I accept that, but that's probably the issue there. That that's yeah. I mean, it, 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 again, really try observation, but and and to say it's not that convincing sounds like something you might hear on Soccer Saturday, but <laughs> it isn't, and it's a fair observation, and and also like it's fair observation to make about a club that is a very big deal. Yeah. Still, um, not just in the Spider Bundesliga, but in Germany, like it's fourteen is a very very sizable football club, and so like you're allowed to have that expectation especially at home, especially against a team who are in the middle of a rebuild, especially with the players they have at their disposal, mm. who never quite seem to be what they could be, yep. uh, to me at least. No, no, I, I tend to agree. We did mention St. Pauli. Let's talk about them. They yeah. were at the fritz Walter Stadion against Kaiserslautern in front of just over 44,000 on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. And this was a fascinating game because it really started to kick off in the second half. Jackson mm. Irvine absolutely... well. Is it, is it more about Jackson Irvine or the fact that Eric Durham completely missed the offside trap? Elias Saad, who a lot of people are high on, and for good reason, uh, he yeah. walk, he walks in, he scores. Then Kaiserslautern mix it up. They bring on their million-dollar man, Ragnar Ache, who they'd signed from Frankfurt. Two minutes in, he scores. Kenny Prince Redondo is definitely shooting in that instance. He's whiffed it. It's, yeah, 100%. He, I, I don't, 100%. He, he, yeah. he, he gets an assist... But he yeah. really doesn't deserve one. And, with an asterisk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, look, it, the stat makers will give him the assist, and, and we have to go by it. Unfortunately, he whiffed the hell out of that. But Ake was there. Um, but then, fifteen minutes before time, Tobias Reichel fouls uh, Marcel Hartel. Hartel, cool as the other side of the pillow, puts it past Luter. Three points for Saint Pauli. It's always a tough game in, in at the Fritz Walter Stadion. Last season, Kaiserslautern were known as the comeback kids. No team scored more points from losing positions than they did in the last campaign. But um, yeah, I, I thought St. Pauli were, were decent. Yeah. The the front three mix is the, is the interesting one. They opted to, to go with Metcalf over Afalayan. Uh, Andreas Albers, who hasn't scored since October of last, season, last year. 
Uh, they brought him from Regensburg. Like they're still trying to figure out what that front three will look like. But the one thing to be comfortable with is that the midfield group, in particular, the partnership of Hartel and Irvine, who were both brilliant in this game, yeah. they're able to dictate games, control them, elevate the play around them, and there is a good reason why that we're all pretty excited about their potential promotion chances, or at least the get into yeah. the playing game, and. To get three points at what is a very difficult place to, to get three points at is a good positive foundation to build their season upon. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been super impressed with Fabian Hazard's work since um, well, since the beginning of the year, obviously. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I certainly believe that, that they're, they're going to finish in the top five. I've got a few questions. Like the Dashner, the Dashner departure really disappointed me because I felt like he could have... I know that contract, but I felt like he could have done another season in the Bundesliga. But also from a St. Pauli perspective, the range of positions that Dashner was able to play and the kind of the connection between the, the midfield and the forward line that he was able to provide was so valuable and they don't have another player like that. Um, I I mean, I'll be interested to see how they compensate for that. But also, Pacarada is a huge loss. Like, just even, even just from set pieces, like, there's not a better left foot in the division. Um, he deserves his move, obviously, mm. to the Bundesliga. Um, but that's a big question mark. Um, I feel like um, yeah, it was a good performance and there were good moments with it. Love, lovely ball from Irvine. Um, I'm biased. He's one of my favourite players, one of my favourite people, obviously. Mm. Everyone loves Jackson, um, yeah. rightly, because he's a really decent person. Um, but it's quite nice to see Marcel Hartl get a little bit of love because I think Hartl is one of the, the great um, underrated players in the league. Like He's just a super footballer. And... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the season you see him almost in a kind of a false nine mm. kind of role, potentially, because I think he's got the abilities to do it. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I just, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure. Like, I just want to see how they deal with the forward situation. Also, like, um, I, I want to see how they use Afalion. Like, I met Dapo last year. I went to see him at the training ground and he's, He's really settled into life in Hamburg, and he's been having his German lessons. Told me had, he'd had like forty of them by sort of June of last year, so he was he was doing pretty well, and he's an excellent player. Like so, I'm just interested to see how these pieces settle. But if um, if they can if they can find enough goals, mm. that's the thing. Because I, I like you, the first goal they scored at the Fritz Walter of the weekend, like that. Just weird. A good ball, good finish by Sad, but this goal should never happen. Yeah. Also, the penalty that's just a wild tackle. That's just mm. ridiculous. You don't tackle like that on the on your own penalty spot. And um, you know so they deserve their win and it, it is traditionally a really hard place to get results. But um yeah, I just I it wasn't hugely convincing. Um so let's let's just let's just sort of let's see where they go from here. Um yeah, like I it's just a shame it's just a shame the Dashner and Pacarada departures happened when they did, just mm. because I feel like six months into life under Hersler, uh, things were in a really good place. And had they kept those two players, like I would say, I, I would actually, you know, if, had I been a betting person, I think I'd have said, right, Hartz-Fraunz and Pally to go up together because they would have been the two strongest teams in the division. Um, that's not Hamburg bias. <laughs> a little bit. But, um, I, uh, I have said that my, my wife's a Sipali fan and uh, my brother-in-law and father-in-law are Hasbara fans. So just, oh, this is this is who boy. I have to be. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is my life. Um, but genuinely, like, you know, so it's a little bit of a shame. But let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Good start, no doubt. 
I tend to agree. I mean, for Kaiserslautern, this is what they do. They, for some reason, they like playing from behind. And one yeah. thing I spoke about last, well, heading into the new season is they, they got to stop doing that because teams know how to, teams figured them out midway through last season. They were a bit more sort of pragmatic in the way they were trying to play almost as like a defensive mechanism to everyone knows how to beat us. So we've got to do something yeah. uh, safe, play very safe. And, and while it worked for periods last season, they got undone the same way yeah. uh, on the weekend where, you know, they get the goal places G'd up, you know, you've got, you know, 42,000 Kaiserslautern fans who are just up and about. It's a big celebration. You know, it's 25 years since they won the yeah, the Bundesliga and everyone's, yep, we're all good. And then just like, probably like, we'll take this game. Thank you. That's okay. We've got this. So, right, look, yeah. I look, I, I hope, because Ake, he got injured towards the end. He stopped, a, 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 he made an amazing tackle to, to deny a potential 3-1 and hopefully... I don't that was believe... a strange moment. That that was a strange little. What yeah. was it, what was he doing there of all players? I mean, he shouldn't have been there, but it was. Yeah. In... Look, look. If you wanted to prove yourself to a coach like Dirk Schuster, who appreciates those kind of one percenters, yeah, he would have loved yeah. that. He'd be like, "This is exactly the kind of mentality we've got to have as a playing group." Is that ninety plus minutes? You just got to work, 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 and yeah. Look, I like Ake. I think he's he's a better than a seven goal a season uh, striker that he managed last season in Furt. Um. I I think they paid a little bit more than he should, they should have paid for him personally, but uh, I agree. I'm glad I'm not the only one. But um, <laughs> but but you know, with with Terence Boyd, whether he's going to be healthy for the game against Schalke on Saturday night, you know, uh, if Ake is available, you've got to start him because I didn't see enough out of Lubinger to really be convinced that that's the way forward. Um, but we'll see what their their mix will be. Uh. We've already mentioned St. Pauli. Uh, they've got their home opening in Dusseldorf um, on the Saturday afternoon. Let's take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to focus on the promoted three sides, starting with Elversberg's trip to Hanover. The champions of the Dritter Liga, Elversberg, made their first appearance in the Spider Bundesliga against Hanover in front of just under 30,000. Hanover were hoping to be a lot better than they were last season after what was a dreary time in the north, and they gave their fans absolutely no reason to feel optimistic about the new season uh, after what was a pretty mediocre performance, it has to be said. Marcel Correa will get the plaudits of being the first ever goal scorer for Elversburg in the Svarta Bundesliga, and then Wahad Fakir made it two moments before the break. Correa then became villain when he fouled uh, Trisoldi. Clear foul. VAR checked it. All good. Toykert scored, and then Trisoldi scored fifty on fifty-four minutes to make it two-two. As this game progressed, it always felt to me, don't know how you feel about this, that Elversberg were going to score a third goal. I thought they were really impressive in the way they played, and even though they were quite happy with the point, they could have easily left there with three. Hundred percent. Like I think when you when you have a, like a newly promoted team that go that lose a lead, you kind of expect them it to go quite badly, and also like they lost their lead with. I think it's about 35 minutes still left to play. Um, but they had the better chances afterwards. Hmm. They definitely had the better chances afterwards. I, I thought, honestly, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I was quite surprised that Stefan Lytle, um survived last season. I thought Hanover were absolutely dreadful, absolutely awful, um, given who they are. And I, I know they're not like a, they're not a true great of German football, but they're from a very big city and they are, they are a big club in a lot of ways. Um, and this was the same again like i think 
Trisaldi gave them energy when he came on. I thought I, I haven't seen Trisaldi before, but I was really impressed by him. Um, he looks like an interesting player, took his goal really well. But Augsburg were vastly superior um, for all but like a very brief period of the game. For here, like I, I this first time I've seen him play. Same. Yeah. Um, I know he's a Stuttgart player and he's on loan, but mm. he looks like he's going to cause problems in this league. Uh, his movement is great. I love his aggression with the ball. Like his, we talked, we talked earlier about, um, we talked earlier about some of the issues with Hertha Berlin and uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf, and like I think um, one of the problems for them, perception-wise, was I'd watched this game and his performance before I'd watched that one. Yeah. <laughs> so I so seen like a like really dynamic attacking performance, and I just thought he was great. I thought um, I loved the free kick, which looked like it had kind of been. Um, Built by Horst Stefan on the um, on the training pitch, uh, the the corner, sorry, yeah. of the first goal, like really nice construction there, and um, also, I mean, when you pretty easy if you're a, you're a team like Elfsberg and, and and you you come from, well, your home stadium holds what nine and a half thousand people, pretty easy to come up to Hanover with a little bit of an inferiority complex, regards to what happened last season, uh, but they just they kind of bullied them. Um, and uh, yes, okay. So the the second goal that's a terrible moment for Ron Robertsila, but um, really really bad goalkeeping. Um, but oh, I couldn't be more impressed. I can't wait to see them at home. Actually, I think that's the thing. I really want to see them in front of their own crowd. But I, I was so impressed. Oh, likewise. And the worry about promoted sides is are they going to change the way they play to to make it a bit more sustainable? But no way. They were they were they knew what they wanted to do. And the second yes. goal was brilliant because. It was a turnover at halfway, and they're already going. Quick transition. Fahir just yeah. gets in a good position, and yeah, Zila. Look, it was too hot to handle because we, we saw with a few of Fahir shots. Oh, he's got a he's got a cannon. He's got a cannon. Good movement just before it gets to Zila. I and, think, like, you know, you should the, save it. But I agree. I mean, you know, as a goalkeeper, it's the worst thing because you get yourself in a good position, and the ball just moves just an inch. That's enough. Yeah. That's all it is. And. Yeah. Um, yeah, just yeah, they were they were impressive. I, they've got Rostock on on Saturday afternoon, and and we'll talk. I'll bring up Rostock later on, but um, yeah, they were. I was impressed. I like I haven't seen a lot of Elversburg, and I'd heard things about the way that they play, and yeah, I this game. Even though we should be talking about Elversburg, this game kind of conf- confirmed what we already knew about last season, which was. They haven't really changed Hanover, and I thought the, the the defensive three mix was odd. Eze is not a left centre back. Yeah. Halstenberg was he looked underdone, and he only lasted a half. And yeah, I don't, you don't feel confident about their game in Nuremberg on Sunday. Like you just you don't know what they're going to bring. Trizoldi and Toyka worked well, but yeah, they're they're still. It's almost like they're figuring it out, and they've already had over a year to figure out what this is going to be. Yeah, the, the, the Halsberg thing is really interesting because, like, obviously that was the big moment of the summer, mm. uh, rightly so. Um, but then the, he had that had that terrible moment in the first half where he got knotted up by Fagir, and he just looked like it was kind of hard. It, it was quite hard to look at. Mm. It's because it was kind of like one of those moments. Of, it's sort of like um, it was very humbling. <laughs> I'd expect he, he kind of played this, so it's no experience in the game at all. You get turned and twisted on the halfway line and you chase him all the way back. I, I, it was very, very unconvincing. <clears throat> and there was nothing really that... I would mention Trisaldi, but I, I don't think... Um, generally speaking, I don't think it's a good idea when you have a kind of a young player uh, 
just because he has an impact, I don't think that's necessarily a reason to be optimistic about what a team's going to do. Like, you'll be optimistic about a player and his future, and I think you should be about Trisaldi. I think mm. he's he's interesting. Um, but structurally, this was structurally this was every bit as much of a, a nightmare as um, mm. as was for Schalke. Like, you just you were playing against a slightly you know uh, less powerful side, but it was deeply concerning, yeah. uh, especially at home. Um, and there was, I mean. Without the penalty, which is, mm. I don't know, it, it, it was unfortunate and a little bit impetuous. Definitely penalty. Yeah. But um, I didn't really think they deserved a way back into the game until that point. Or it, it looked likely. I just thought, I, I, at that point, I was kind of counting Elfsberg's three points. Um, and I was listening to the commentary on German Sky, and it was kind of the same. It was pretty damning um, of the Hanover performance. And rightly so. Yeah. I yeah, I absolutely agree. And now we get to see the response and yeah. you know, I I, I mean, I am always willing to pencil in a nil nil at Nuremberg, but um, you know, it's who knows yeah. what's going to happen. Uh we've got one more game before we've got to let you go. Let's talk okay. about we a game that you did get to see and arguably had um had there not been the Schalke Hamburg game, this might have been the game of the round. It was Osnabrück and Karlsruhe at, at the Bremerbrucker. Yeah. Uh, 3-2 the final score. Vanitzek had a brace. Uh, Eric Engelhart, Robert Tesher scored, which, you know, that Karlsruhe defensive play was just atrocious. Uh, <laughs> but it was uh, Dennis Burnich's goal in 87 minutes that uh, beat Lennart Grill. Uh, Grill, we'll talk about him in a moment. Um, but, look, three points. Uh, this was The funny thing is this was all built up as the last Stindl return game. He's back. Yes. This is all romantic. It's all great. Didn't have a lot of impact. It was the usual suspects. Vanitzek, Nabel was good. Um, you know, I thought Schleusner it was okay, but look, well, Karlsruhe run through Vanitzek. They've done so for so many years, and he just gets into good positions. And you look at the two goals, waits for the defense to collapse on the first one. The second yes, one indeed. gets to the near post. But like, as someone who watches a lot of goalkeeping, the, the all three goals, I mean, the, the first one, you can maybe give a pass for Grill, but the second and the third one, Infor- unforgivable uh, from that from those ranges those angles to get beaten at the near post not good enough yeah this is the thing like i think um first of all let, let's let, i mean credit was due vanasek was magnificent oh, yeah. and deserves to be on the winning side um and the burnish goal so um I feel like the Burnish goal, like, because of the Osnabrück camera angle, which is quite low mm. and it doesn't necessarily give the best advantage of, of kind of, doesn't give the best sort of perception of uh, distance and yeah. that kind of stuff. Like the, on, on first watch, it just looks like a really good hit, doesn't it? Mm. And then you watch it and you watch the way in which Burnish strikes the ball and like there's a clear sight on it. Right? There's there's no um, there's no deflection. There's no um, there's no it's not that powerful mm. it looks like it should be but it's not and it's a nice goal it's a really nice goal and it's a lovely moment for him but um that can't go in yeah that can't go in and uh, i i think i agree with you on the second goal as well um yeah. but then the reason why we were talking before we started recording about this game and like it was one of my favorite games of the weekend because i feel like it was so quintessentially zweite bundesliga mm. like it my favorite thing about the, the league is that um, obviously it's unpredictable yes 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 but also um, you're going to see as much good play as bad play um, <laughs> and that feels like a callback to a slightly different area it reminds me of being a child and watching like first division football in England and this game was that it was like the ropey camera angle right <laughs> um, some really quality play some suspect goalkeeping 
three two um the subplot that i was I, I i like everybody else i was really looking forward to seeing Lars Stindl play just because i feel like his career is one of the great tragedies in german football because obviously injuries and it's so sad and he, he he's still such a good player and I like the idea of him playing as a sort of a almost like, like kind of number ten behind the front two. That, that was kind of cool to see that. Um, and I think over over the course of the season, he will be very if they, mm. if he can stay fit, he will be very influential. But this game had kind of everything. Um, and I just loved it. I loved it. I loved watching it. Um, you know, uh, also like if you were, you know, if you were new to to Zweibundsliga, you see, oh, you know, that's that's Bastian Schweinsteiger's older brother in the, in the Osnabrück dugout. You know, like, it's, it's little weird little things like that, kind of like a little little cultural commentary on on German football. Um, but yeah, uh, not the very, very finest standard of goalkeeping, can I agree, to bring us around to where we yeah, started. Yeah, I, I mean, like, from what, like, I, I can hearken from the time when I played the, the position, not at a high level, yeah. let's, let's put, let's, you know, call a spade a spade. Collegiate level in South Australia is not you know, the crescendo of, of, you know, footballing, you know, it's just it's still it's, a decent level. It's a level, it's, it's a level, put it that way. It's a level. It's a level. It's, it's, it's a level. Uh, and, and you, and look, you'd, you'd be filthy if you get beaten at the near post. If you got beaten near post three times, you would have one of your defenders in your ear and it wouldn't be yeah. things you can't say on a podcast unless you've got the E for, uh, explicit content. Right. And we're, 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 a cl- we're trying to be a clean podcast. So, um, Family show, yeah, we're for, we're for everyone, e for everyone, yeah, not explicit. But um, yeah, I I was a bit concerned with with the goalkeeping, and I thought at times defensively, Osnabrück were a bit they they allowed Karlsruhe to have the space. It was almost they were not really, I don't know. It's it's it, they haven't been in the league for a couple of seasons. They looked like a team that was still you know integrating the newer players. You know they've got guys like Talhammer who is an experienced mm-hmm. fighter Bundesliga player, and then coming off the bench they had Reet who I thought was okay when he came on Mark Reedus didn't do a whole lot so like no. it kind of felt like they were still they're still figuring it out you know I, I think <clears throat> I think they've got an interesting mix but I'm not yeah I, I'm not I wasn't high on them at the start of the year I had them finishing bottom um and yeah I, I think even though they were able to find a way back into the game twice you know they got lucky with the Engelhart goal like that should have been cleared and they and the corner was just poorly defended um, yeah there, there wasn't a lot would- to like really I, I, I also think the, the scoreline represents a little bit of a false economy. Like, I don't think that, um, I mean, we, we've just talked about Hanover, same kind of deal, right? Like, I feel like they would, you know, I was really given goals to come back into this game. And then <clears throat> I, I know I've, I've built it up and this is kind of partly my fault because I've sort of celebrated the idea of a 3-2 <laughs> and sort of the dynamics and, you know, this was not a 3-2 game. It was fun in a sort of slapstick way. Hmm. Um, and the winning goal coming when it did, I, I think it was, five minutes before the end four minutes something like that but made it feel a little bit more dramatic and a little less comfortable than it yeah. should have been mm. um <clears throat> on a side note i don't know if this is a place to moan about it but um the osbrook crest is just dismal <laughs> like I, i've always thought this like i i, I said to my wife sometimes like i i'm a big nerd for things like that like i yeah anything that's sort of you know culturally significant um i feel like whoever designed the ultimate crest the, the kind of contemporary version of it just what are you doing like it's <laughs> it's it's just but what is that it's just uh it's it's I'm, I'm gonna get hate mail for saying this 
Um, but I, I, I don't know. It, just, it, it always annoys me when I see it. I just think it's it's a nice kit. It could be better. Just just work a little bit harder, right? Well, <laughs> well, considering that they had all the carnage with Umbro, and and there's I think they're right. currently in a lawsuit with Umbro on the there kits. Was the opportunity for to, a rethink, and they were like, know? no. <laughs> no, we love it. We love it. Like maybe I can just never go to that part of Germany now. Now that I said that, like we're gonna find out that it has we, some we only... um, hidden significance, but. Yeah. Uh, well, it technically is just. It used to be part of a bigger crest. They just got rid of the rest of it, and they stuck with. The... Is that right? I didn't know that. Is yeah, that right? yeah. It's it. it what, so what was around it previously? Oh, I, I have to get it up. It looked like there was. Uh, let's see if we can find this. I'm dragging the podcast to a place that you don't want to go, but we're going to do it. We're adding. Yeah, this is this is definitely. Uh, this is what you get when you have someone like me on. So like this this is. Red I don't know. Let's see if we can if you can see it. That's what the. Okay. Yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. I still don't like that. <laughs> well, no, that's. I mean, like, I, can, I, can, I don't mind it's, it. It's kind of like it's, it's, I don't know. But if you if you look at sort of, I don't know. Like you look at. I, I I'm not going to use Hamburg examples because just that's too much bias. Yeah. Um. But like if you look at <clears throat> if you look at German football's crest game as a whole, it's very strong. Yeah. Right? The Hansa Rostock is is quite a exactly. nice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get Asphalt rhomboid, you know, like uh, Hanover crest is very nice too. Yep. Um, yep. Greuther Fert, that's a good crest with the with the um, with, with the, the, the clover. Yep. You know, so up your game, Osnabrück. <laughs> oh, that, that's a call to art. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Well, you know, but we'll see what they do if they if they. T- I mean, they're going to take your <clears throat> advice on it, obviously, because you know, let's. I mean, the, someone 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 was telling me that they were happy to see Osnabrück because there's not enough teams that are purple. So that was like uh... that's not good enough for you. <laughs> that's like because purple, I might like. I don't think you'll have got this in Australia, but purple makes me think of Harchester United from the Dream Team series on Sky when I was a boy. It's like fictional um, football yep. soap opera. It was like a sort of Sky's version of Footballers Wives, uh, and they played in purple. <clears throat> so not good enough reason. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, we better let you go, otherwise. If you like for it's got to work. Yes, yeah, Seb, yeah. thank, thank you so much for taking the time to, to join the Spider Bundesliga podcast. And we definitely will have you on once again. Uh, first of all, or fi- first of all, finally, uh, last, of all. You, last of all, we'll get there. See, this is the we're getting at this is early our season. I get the early season, you, out, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you did a piece on the Spider Bundesliga at the Athletic. What would you like? <laughs> let, plug it, tell us a bit about it. No, well, I, I just I, I kind of cover all aspects of German football over the athletic and I just wrote about the opening weekend and my night in uh, in the Volkspark. And it's just kind of like it's basically just this piece of raw propaganda, Matthew. It's like I, I love the league and I want other people to love the league. And then and just explain why and I explain why actually um, it's such a le- good league now. Right. Because it's it has uh, doesn't have as many. I know it does superficially have a lot of the inequalities that other leagues have, but they don't count for quite as much as they seem to elsewhere. And um, you have wonderful stories, you have catastrophes, you have teams with stadiums that have 57,000 people in them, teams with stadiums that only have nine and a half. Like it's, it's a great sort of, um, it's a great sort of meritocracy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it's not like, I just want more people to enjoy it or more people to kind of have the opportunity to enjoy it. So I, I I'd, I'd done a quite a serious piece last week about Leverkusen, so I thought, well, you know, a bit of propaganda, and that's over on the Athletic this morning. If you want to read that, we are all for it. <laughs> We're all for growing the Spider Bundesliga because it is something that not only needs to be told in terms of story, but it needs to be seen to be believed. You'll say, right? Stop broadcasting it. 
yeah broadcasters yeah you know, like you know can't cost a lot of money but you definitely get your money's worth absolutely devastated to learn that it's no longer live in the uk sort that out if you're in the uk and if you have some kind of authority over that sort that out come on and hopefully no. hopefully we'll have a rights holder in australia um that's exactly. that was that was quite an alarming thing to hear uh, a week before the season that uh, yeah. not only could you not get the bundesliga but the Swider bundesliga wasn't available but we have we have our ways of watching football so we better let you go <laughs> seb, seb it's legal i promise you it's legal seb yes. th- thanks seb thank you so much for your time we appreciate it and uh wish you all the best thank you for having me matthew wasn't that an absolute right? And we thank you, Seb, for his time. Let's make a move to the Britta Arena. Van Wiesbaden hosted Magdeburg in front of just over 7,000. Really interesting game. It was a massive one for for both sides. Magdeburg were hoping to get off to the perfect start of the season. Wiesbaden hoping to get something out of the game. Of course, um, Wiesbaden, you know, Heading into the, the match day, they had to make a couple of changes with Benedict Hollerbach heading to Union. Uh, we got to see our good mate, our good friend John Iredale get the start. Um, and he had some pretty good moments. Un- unfortunately, he didn't see out the game. Um, he was substituted after getting a knock to his knee. We wish him a quick recovery. Uh, it was Magdeburg, really, who had probably the better of it early on. And they got their goal just 29 minutes in when Jason Checker found Luca Schuler. Schuler cuts in and he puts it into the back of the net. It felt like we, we spoke about players ping sense off, and this is another one of those games where it was it felt like there was a ticking time bomb. Uh, Alexander uh, Vukotic, in his Wiesbaden debut, he got in a yellow card earlier in the second half, uh, and then he fouled, had a really clumsy foul on, on, on Schuler, and he was given his marching orders. But that didn't stop Wiesbaden from getting forward. They would get their equalizing goal and substitute Ivan Pratayan, got his first goal he, in the Spider Bundesliga. He was their top scorer in the Dritter Liga. Uh, Husa's ball was fantastic and Pratayan soaring like an eagle. Uh, it was pretty poorly defended by Magdeburg. Both teams traded half chances towards the end, but ultimately it was a one-all draw. Magdeburg had a ton of the ball, as you'd expect. They were the most, they were the heavily possessed side of the match day with 67%. Very, you know, it was it, the game went as we expected. We, we had a feeling V-Spiden were going to sit back and with Iredale up top. We know he's a, he's a bit of a pacey, he's a pacey player who likes to, you know, run, get deep. And, and you could see that when um, V-Spiden were looking to counter, they would, they would usually long it to him. He was playing as sort of that last man and, you know, it showed a lot that they were able to find solutions when it when it definitely didn't look like they um they had that way. I was I was a little bit disappointed with Magdeburg because they they had a lot of a lot of it. They just didn't do a lot with it. You know, nine shots on goal for the entire game. That's a shot every ten minutes. So was expecting a little bit more from them, and and their subs really didn't make the impact they were hoping for. And ultimately, you kind of have to look back at it and. You know, you, you tip your cat off to Wiesbaden, but I don't think they really did a whole lot to win the game either. Um, so you probably have to say that the, the result was pretty fair, ultimately. And yeah, um, Magdeburg have their home opener on Sunday. They've got Eintracht Braunschweig. Uh, Wiesbaden, they are on the road. They'll be in Berlin on Friday night, and that is a world feed game. Let's take our final break. And on the other side... We'll discuss all the games from Sunday, starting from all the carnage in Fürth when Grotta Fürth hosted Paderborn. Fürth 
foot were presented with a new opportunity. They were hoping that they, they could avoid the disappointing start to the Hinronda that they had last season. Under Alexander Zorniger, they had improved, but how much had they improved over the summer? Paderborn were hoping to at least improve on the sixth place finish from last season, but there are a lot of question marks into, into determining whether their defence was any better than it was last season. With the likes of Uwe Hunemeyer, Jasper van der Werf leaving, they do look a little bit exposed. And that became very clear just eight minutes in when Visa Musliu fouled Dennis Sabeni, who had left Paderborn in the summer for Fürth. He absolutely chopped him at the legs, and after initially being given a, re a yellow card, the video assistant referee, in cons consultation with Richard Hempel, God, I've forgotten how to speak, um, he was sent on his way, and that really opened the floodgates. It forced Paderborn to sit deep, have to play on the counter-attack, and they didn't really have the team that was designed to play on the break. And it really showed, because as the pressure started to ramp up, Furt were getting very dangerous, and dangerous was their middle name. Uh, Branimir Hergurta opened the scoring on 35 minutes, and Julian Green, who was fantastic in this game, had two fantastic assists. He assisted Tim Limpoli, who got his first goal, and then he assisted a beautiful ball to Hergurta, who still had plenty to do, and he managed to chip uh, Yannick Hoot for 3-0 at the break. Well-deserved of their lead. They would make it 4 on 65 minutes when Gian Itter basically ran through the Paderborn defence, cut it back, and Armindo Sieb, who was the early first-half substitute, put it in. And then uh, 77 minutes in, Damien Mikowski, who'd only just come on as a substitute, he heads home to make it 5. It was a 5-star performance for Greta Furt against the 10 men of Paderborn. Whether this is a... In, in many ways, a bit of a false economy on, on what Furt could be. We'll have to see. They've got Kiel on the weekend um, up there. But they they were ruthless in their approach. And, you know, they, there was a real understanding that they had to, you know, not let Paderborn dictate even when they had the man down. And I thought it was really interesting. It was... Surprising to see Mayhofer and Asta as the the two sort of wide midfield uh, players in that in that or, or wing backs, but they were both really good, especially when they were able to stretch Paderborn, get into those wide areas. You could see how dangerous and problematic it was for Paderborn. You look at the amount of goals they gave away from crosses, and you could just sense that they were really un unsettled from the red card and. Yeah, I love what Furt were doing. They were really dynamic. They they were able to get into some fantastically dangerous areas, and there was a lot to like. I mean, for Paderborn, it's the far cry from what they did on match day one last season, where they beat Karlsruhe 5-0 at home, and we were all waxing lyrical about how great they were in that particular situation. Um, so, look. You know, you don't want to read too much into to the opening game of the season, and and it's quite easy to do that, especially when you have situations where you know every time Furt went forward, they looked like they were going to score. And I, I look, it's not bad. Like you know, they just they weren't set up to to play the counter. They made those changes in the half, and they were a little bit better, but they never were in control of the game. Furt just bossed it, and were well deserving of the three points. Whether they are better, who knows? You know, how good will they be? Next, you know, next week and then heading into the cup, we'll see. But you know, the talk out of the preseason camp was very positive. You know, we we would love to have seen a bit of action for Jonas Urbig, but um, he didn't have to do a whole lot. But you know, 
high hopes on him as a goalkeeper. So Keelan, they've got Hallisher in the cup. Uh, Paderborn, they're, um, they've got Osnabrück in their home opener on Friday night before taking on Energy Cottbus in the DFB Pokal the following week. Two teams who were just awful last season in terms of goals scored. 32 goals combined. It was Hansa Rostock and Nuremberg, both the worst offensive teams in the league. But they were hoping for renewed hope. Alias Schwarz had been in this position last season when he rescued Sandhausen uh, from relegation. Could he avoid the mistakes he'd made in the previous campaign? Christian Fiel is first time in charge of Nuremberg, hoping to establish a footballing identity that was clear and obvious compared to the lacking interest that they had previously. Well, one thing was very clear in the way that uh, Nuremberg wanted to play, and that was aggressive, very aggressive. No team pressed more throughout match day one than Nuremberg. Um, Their pass pressing, um, you know, their press per defensive actions, I should say, was at 7.0. They were aggressive. They wanted to win the ball back quickly. And they had lots of chances in this game. 18 in total. They had a very high XG of 3.34. Sorry, 3.4. And ultimately, they still lost the game because they conceded goals either side of halftime. Um, they failed to clear the corner, which uh, you know Damien Rosbach found uh, John Patrick Strauss, and Strauss last laced from distance, and Matenia looked a bit unsighted from the initial effort, uh, but it became very clear that potentially he could have done a little bit better, but we'll give him a pass on that one. Uh, and then just you know, 90 seconds into the second half, Svante Engelsen found Niels Fruling. They just cut the defense open. It was intricate. It was methodical. And Fruling getting his first goal of the campaign. And that was it. It was, you know, once they got to 2-0, you know, you could tell Rostock were just happy to defend it. Again, relying on Marcus Kolka to be the rocking goal. And, and he was, again, fantastic. Uh, crazy to think that he's only one of four goalkeepers to keep a clean sheet this match day. Uh, uh, he did have a goal conceded on him. Uh, through Daichi Hayashi, but Hayashi clearly handled the ball in the situation, and um, yeah, no goal. Uh, and Nuremberg start the season with, you know, a, a, a no goal. It was disappointing. I, I, I look, I, I think some of the mix was okay. Um, Okunuki was quite lively when they got him in space, and that was a really good matchup with Strauss that they had they had planned. And yeah, I. I we, we you know we talked with Seb about the the Hanover game and how it could potentially become a nil nil, but you know it's a great opportunity on Sunday to prove that they are a lot better than they were last season. They've got better concepts. They're a bit more diverse. Um, I I didn't mind Daferner up top. It was okay, but then when they brought on Hayashi and and um, Lil Kemper in the second half, like they were playing in weird roles, and you could tell. Like it was just, it was a mad, it was a really weird mix that they had going on um, as they were trying to get themselves back in the game. But ultimately, not good enough uh, to, to find that, um, you know, those goals back. Um, but look, they, they had their moments. They had more shots on target. They were they were very much in the game. They just couldn't put away those chances. So uh, as we mentioned there at Hanover, uh, Hansa, they make the first road trip to Elversburg. Uh, that will be a Saturday afternoon game. And lastly... Let's talk about Eintracht Braunschweig and Holstein Kiel uh, in front of 20,002 people. That is a palindrome of numbers. How about that? Um, Jens Hertel's first game in charge of Braunschweig. Kiel hoping to be a little bit better than they were last season. 
Braschweig thought they'd opened the scoring early on when Fabio Kaufmann had put in. However, he was offside. And, and I thought Braunschweig were quite good in the early phases of the game. They, they caused Kiel a bit of trouble, especially using the wider areas. And um, But again, another team that was forced to 10 men, another situation where you could have argued that maybe Hertel should have taken off Kruce in that situation he, he just always felt he was about to get sent off and, you know, they, they probably could have easily brought on Takali into that back three. It would have made, for me anyway, a bit more sense, at least not putting yourself in that situation. And and from there, it was Kiel. But, you know, credit to Braunschweig. They defended resolutely. They were very solid in the low block and Kiel really struggled to to break them down. And it was, it was quite impressive with what they were doing. But eventually... You know, two minutes into the into added time, they were broken. Uh, it was Lewis Holtby's ball into Shuto Mochino. Mochino's header, which went skyward, he gets an assist for it. Um, all thanks to Holmbert. Fryn who um, a useless stat for you, is wearing his third different squad number at uh, Holstein Kiel. Um, he had time. He source high, and you think that's the game. One nil. Kiel are going to run away with. Are going to hold on to win. But there was a scene towards the end of the game. Um, where Takali looks quite clearly to be fouled by um, Carl Johansson. Referee Dr. Anna Arnick didn't even look at it. It was, um, I think it was worth a look. Even if it wasn't a pen, it, it definitely was, there was uh, grabbing initiated in the, um, at least out on the edge of the area. It should have been a free kick at, at the very least. I think it was a pretty big miss and uh, you could tell that Braunschweig were quite agreed to, um, to not get um, a resulting free kick or penalty from that. And I think they had a case. Uh, did they deserve to get anything from this? Uh, yeah, it's kind of tough. They, they Look, they defended really well, but I, I just don't think after halftime, they, they really lacked the options. They didn't really play with the same sort of freedom as one team would do when they're down to 10 men. So we'll see how they get on. But ultimately, um, you know, Kiel gets the three points and they... Get to welcome Greuther Fürth. Uh, Braunschweig are heading to Magdeburg. And that's it from us. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Do join us next Monday when we discuss all the action from match day two. We hope you have a fantastic week enjoying your Spider Bundesliga football. And we'll see you next time when the ball gets rolling.